0: This podcast contains mild adult language and sometimes talks about adult content and experiences. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. Every society has stories that are passed down from generation to generation. Tales of mystery, tales of love, tales of horror, and tales of fantasy. One type that always seems to be a popular choice despite what culture you're a part of are urban legends. These cautionary tales normally deal with horrific things that encourage listeners to shy away from doing something similar, or else they could suffer the same fate as those in the stories. But what's so interesting about these stories? Why do we keep telling urban legends? Welcome to a new podcast called What's It To Be Afraid Of? I'm your host, Eric Crum, and I'm joined with my guest, Meredith Olson. Here, we will be discussing four urban legends and what makes them so timeless. A brief disclosure about content warning before we dive on in. This podcast, we're going to be discussing some stories that can be alarming and understandably uncomfortable for those listening. Contact. Content stated throughout the duration may be triggering to some. Your discretion is advised. So, to start out today, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Eric Crum, and I am a uh, visual communication major at Berry College, and I am joined today by Meredith Olson.
1: Hi there. Uh, I am a sociology major at Berry College.
0: Nice, nice. So mm-hmm. I'm sure this kind of uh, theme would be pretty interesting for you to talk about things, how it's cultural related.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, stories and like how they're passed down and why is one of the major facets of cultural studies. So this is definitely something that I can talk about for a long
0: time. So I'm pretty certain that you've at some point in your life heard uh an urban legend or two, especially going to, like, uh, campfire events or sleepovers or something. Uh, do you have any personal favorites?
1: Um, Personal favorite urban legends? Well, I don't know if this counts, but there was that story about the girl with the ribbon around her neck, and then when the ribbon came off, her head fell off. Oh. That, that might just be a horror story, but I always liked ones like that. Mystery, a little bit of suspense, a little bit of a twist ending. That's always good.
0: Nice, nice. Um, urban legends are some of the more interesting things for me personally. Uh, ever since I was a kid uh, and hung out with classmates or going to like slumber parties, I have always remembered when somebody would pull out like a flashlight and just like hold it up to them, and be like, and now, here's this story. And like set the tone in everything. every single slumber party. There's always that one kid that would be like, and we're going to tell. Urban legend. Ooh,
1: Scary. See, I always, I I couldn't handle it. I was scared most of the time. I've only recently discovered uh, how interesting urban legends are now that I can finally be brave enough to listen to them.
0: They're very interesting. And a lot of them tend to have like a deeper meaning, which is what I find so interesting about them. And something that I'm pretty sure you also find very interesting is that. These aren't just stories for the sake of being stories. They're um, cultural hallmarks as well. Exactly. Over the years, I became fascinated with understanding why these stories were so popular and why children always just seemed to know them and why they kept being told. So in this podcast, we'll be discussing four of these examples that I remember very well. And like I've talked to other people and they've also, they know some of these. Like this is something a lot of people tend to hear me say oh I'm going to be doing something about urban legends and they'll say oh my gosh that's so cool I remember yada 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 and it's it's just this connected thing and I love that every single culture not like not even just United States like predating the United States there's so many cultures that have so many different stories that some of them even like uh intersectionalize and are just stories that everybody has like a base understanding of
1: nothing connecting people like stories
0: exactly because that's what a lot of our connectivity is with sharing stories with each other so to start off going into the first topic which is that of the babysitter this is one of the biggest genres of urban legends like there's so many urban legends about babysitters it's honestly kind of frightening how many there are <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I never babysat. And I think part of the reason was all the horror stories that uh, I've heard throughout my life about absolutely. babysitters.
0: I also had a similar kind of thing growing up. Like I, I'd want to babysit just for like the additional pocket change. But at the same time, there are so many babysitter stories that I would hear that like maybe I would want to try something else maybe like fast food where the horror stories are just the customers.
1: (laughs) I would rather get screamed at by a Karen than have to deal with the babysitter horror stories. Right
0: right and so to start off I'm going to be talking about one of the most noteworthy and very well remembered urban legends about babysitters and that's the one of the babysitter and the man upstairs. So to start off I'm going to read through a brief synopsis of the story and we'll dive right on into deciphering what it means all right so the babysitter and the man upstairs starts off it's a very dreary night and the babysitter is called by her usual patrons to come over and look after their children for the night she's told all the things that she needs to know they need to be in bed by nine that a list of phone numbers is on the fridge and she's welcome to do homework or watch tv before they get back at 11 and so they leave and as she's sitting there by herself watching television after putting the kids to sleep she gets a phone call on the landline what a concept and so she picks it up and at first she thinks it's just like her friends calling to check up on her but instead she hears the voice of a man saying have you checked the children and as a response she just hangs it up It's some scam caller, she thinks. It was
1: a prank call, yeah. Prank
0: callers, yeah, they always happen. So she continues about her minute, and then she gets another phone call. She picks it up, says, hello? Have you checked the children? And she's getting a little irritated with this. So she says in response, who is this? No response, just silence. Until, have you checked the children? And she hangs up. She starts to get worried about this, and so she decides to call the parents. And she asks, hey, is there any other people that are supposed to be stopping by a check-in? they say, no, has anything gone wrong? She says, no, no, I'm just a little worried about these phone calls. And say, okay, well, call the police if you need to. We'll be home in about an hour or so. So she hangs up and she gets a third phone call. Picks it up, same question again. So she hangs up and she dials 911. Once she is patched through, she says, there's somebody that keeps calling me. They keep asking me, have I checked the children? And I'm very worried. Can you please send someone out to check out on this? And they say, well, what we're going to do is we're going to wait until the person calls back. And after they call back, we'll try to trace the number, keep them on the line for at least 10 minutes. So she hangs up and sure enough, five minutes later, she gets another phone call. She picks it up, have you checked the children? And so she starts to have a conversation with the person to keep them on the line. All he ever responds with is, have you checked the children? To the point where he just hangs up. She doesn't. She puts down the phone. She's hysterical because she has no idea what's going on anymore. And she gets another phone call. She picks it up, screams, leave me alone. But it's the police officer on the other end. They say, we trace the phone call get out of the house the call is coming from upstairs dun 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 and most versions of the story tend to end right there there are quite a few that continue on like there's one like she goes up the stairs she sees that the kids are dead there's some like she looks at the stairs and she sees like the man peering around the corner at top of the banister and there are just so many different versions about the story and it's just so odd like this is the story that like kept me from ever wanting to oh, be a yeah. babysitter especially that in like a two-story house and there's so many of that in my neighborhood
1: right see i think her first mistake she, you get a phone call like that. How do you not immediately go? Hmm, I should go check on the children and make sure that they're okay, even if it's just a creepy prank call. You might, you should be checking them every once in a while. Any, she just sounds like a bad babysitter at that point.
0: It could be a bad babysitter, definitely. Um, but the way that I've read into this story is that it could be an introspective of like the fear of a complete crisis and emergency that spirals way out of control. Like, something that you don't know how to handle. Like, a constant caller who's just creepy beyond imagination. And, of course, I believe that the babysitter was right in just calling the parents first before calling the police because it could be somebody that they know that's checking in on them. could be, like, the neighbor who has, like, a smoking problem. Like, you don't know what their situation is, so you mm. want to call make sure.
1: That's true. I mean, I think... Even then, I think the moral of the story is it seems to me like she was kind of just shirking her work. Like she wasn't checking on the kids. She wasn't paying attention. Someone got in the house and she didn't even notice. I think you should just, you know, open your eyes, look at your surroundings, make sure you check on kids. Don't leave them alone for more than 10 minutes at a time. (laughs) And everything will be fine.
0: Sure. But... What if you've done all of that, but there's still something wrong? Mm. And that's what I believe this story is trying to get across, is that you do all the right things, yet something still bad happens. Mm. Even mm-hmm. if you take the proper steps, there's always going to be that one inkling of fear in the back of your mind. That says, but what if you like, left a window open?
1: So you think that this story is like a metaphor for anxiety,
0: I believe so, yes.
1: Interesting. Okay. So the the creepy guy calling the phone is a representation of intrusive thoughts. Well, in that case, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. In that case, it's probably good to not give into it and and check the kids every 10 minutes.
0: That could definitely be something uh, that fuels your argument, definitely, of that she should have checked the kids. Even if, like, she kept getting these phone calls that were saying, have you checked the children? Like she could have very well gone up the stairs to check them. That's very true. I just don't think there's any wedding here though.
1: No, probably not. If there's a creepy murderer in your house, you're gonna die one way or another.
0: Or like what if there's nobody even there? Like what if the person already killed them and is like waiting? And as soon as like she comes to that realization that the call's is coming from inside the house, what if then he's just like, All right, see it, I'm a dip.
1: That's and just... true. That's true. Because, you know, if the calls were coming from inside the house the whole time, he was up there for like a good hour at least, just ringing the phone again and again and again. So He was waiting for something, obviously, to happen. So you can know. never really get rid of anxiety until it kills you. Is that what this is about? That's kind of depressing. It's kind of depressing, yeah.
0: Then again, like, I could say that about a lot of these stories. A lot of these are like really depressing. And I think that's, these are all cautionary tales. These are all something like, hey, this could be something that you could experience in your life. And it's just, man, (laughs) it's just, (laughs) wow. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Good night, more like. (laughs) Oh, man. So to continue on to stories that I feel are very popular, there's this other one, The Lover's Lane. And I'm keeping these titles as ambiguous as possible so you don't know exactly what I'm talking about until I get right into it.
1: Yeah, I don't know this one. All right, let's go.
0: All right, so as soon as I start talking about it, you're going to be like, oh, wait, I know this one. Okay, well, let's see. All right, so, so it's a regular night. Not dark and stormy, but it's a regular night. A guy and his girlfriend go out for a drive, as one does.
1: As one does.
0: And they decide, you know what? You know what? It's been a nice night. Let's go to a nice lookout point and just enjoy the view. Maybe kiss a little. Maybe kiss a little. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so they go out to this nice vista, looking out, enjoying the view, and maybe smooching a little. Until on the guy's radio, he starts to hear a news flash, breaking news. And the girlfriend is like, hey, turn it up. I want to hear what's going on. And he's like, ah, but this is going to kill the mood. But he listens to her, anyways, because he wants to be a caring boyfriend. So he turns it up and they start listening in to this report of a man who's broken out of the nearby prison. This man is very dangerous as he's known as the hook-handed slasher. And as he has escaped, they don't know where he is, but they advise everyone to stay indoors and away from forested areas. And so the girlfriend starts to freak out a little because I mean, who wouldn't? They're in a forested area at a lookout point who knows if he's there or not and so she starts to ask do you think we could just go and the boyfriend thinks about for a second and says yeah okay I think that would be a good idea so he turns on the car and they back out as quickly as he possibly can you know without damaging the car and get back on the road and he drives her back to her house as he gets out of the car he goes around to her side, stops wide-eye as he looks at the handle of a bloody hook hanging on.
1: Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a creepy one.
0: Very much is. Especially since just at the ending it's like, it hits you. He was this close. He was
1: this close and they just barely escaped. Like, man, they took
0: a perfectly good hook with them. Wow. <laughs> How rude. They could
1: probably sell that and get rich. This, you know, this was Maybe. a murderer's hook, you know.
0: Sell it on Craigslist.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure people on Cra- Craigslist would buy that.
0: Oh, probably. They'll probably use it secondhand. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> oh, man. If if urban legends are cautionary tales, then this one has to be about, you know, being careful about where you go, where you spend your time. Tell someone before you drive out into the middle of the woods by yourself at night. Maybe let someone know, hey, I'm going to be out in the middle of the woods by myself at night. And if I don't come back, then I'm probably dead from a hooked murderer.
0: (laughs) That's a really good interpretation that I personally did not think of. What I thought of more was that this story is really more about cautions of uh, safe sex. Ooh, Because you have all the right properties here. For, like, a romantic night. And, like, the very stereotypical of, like, the teenage couple that are doing it in the backseat of the car.
1: That is a stereotype. It's a
0: very big stereotype. And the entire idea of the man with the hook for a hand is that maybe there's something that could potentially harm them. Which is the whole idea here is that something could intervene between their love life later on. I.e., like, a STD.
1: Right. So they... They decided to stop before they went all the way and just narrowly escaped becoming uh, infected or murdered or...
0: Potentially. You know. Like, this is also very interesting because um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I like They're very big. So if you have heard of it, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Have you ever heard of a town called Texarkana? I have not. Okay, so it is a town that borders on Texas and Arkansas. So they match the names of the states together and you have Texarkana. So back during the war, I believe it was right around World War II time, there was a man that was going around and like killing people. Like this was an actual thing. They call it Texarkana Moonlight Murders. And this was adapted into a uh, biographical film. I really use biographical very loosely. It's much more of a slasher than anything called The Town That Dreads Sundown. And a lot of the stories revolving around these murders all happen on a lover's lane.
1: Oh, okay. So this is a theme that's been seen in real life as well. Exactly. Interesting. So this could be a a cautionary about a lot of different things all at the same time. A lot of very real worries kind of mashed up into one hooked murderer.
0: (laughs) A very symbolic metaphorical metaphysical existence of the man with a hook for a hand you don't know if he's actually real like that could just be like as we stated a metaphor like for example it could be like the guy's father was telling him or the girl's father was telling her before they went out on their date like if you have sex you need to have safe sex or you could risk getting x and Mm -hmm. that could be what this entire thing is being uh given a metaphor here
1: wrap it up or get slashed up
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) that that Uh,
1: does seem to track there's a lot of of horror stories that have you know the the characters that hook up always get murdered first
0: so mm -hmm. that
1: makes a lot of sense
0: i don't understand what it is with a lot of horror movies that have like this weird puritanical viewpoint because like a whole lot of them especially like the 1980s which makes a lot of sense culturally around the 1980s but it's always the virgin woman that survives at the end of those horror films
1: yeah well that makes sense for this story too yeah
0: and like i understand like culturally in the 1980s a whole bunch of things that were going on like aids for example so abstinence was like the biggest key in maintaining well your physical health because nobody knew at first how hiv was being spread
1: so are you implying that every 80s serial killer movie is a metaphor for aids
0: very well could be (laughs) like i'm not i'm not completely convinced that they're not like very much could be that's true now is that actually true who knows like, I'm a stark believer that um, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is probably one of the best uh, gay horror films of all time ever. In the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, it's not a good addition, but by itself, it's very good.
1: I didn't know that gay horror films were, was a genre. I've been enlightened.
0: It is a very small genre, but it's a genre nonetheless. <laughs> All right, so continuing on with the car theme we have, and you're going to know exactly what story this is. Everybody, everybody's heard of it. Everybody is afraid of this situation. I'm not even gonna say the title, we're just gonna oh, go right on okay. in. All
1: right, anticipation building.
0: Mm-hmm. So a woman is driving down a highway. It's very late at night and she's having a good time. She's seeing show tunes in her car having a blast she hears on the radio that there's a thunderstorm coming in and she starts to worry a little she looks down she's almost out of gas bummer so she pulls over to the nearest gas station that miraculously is right in front of her she pulls over and she asks the attendant (laughs) yeah the story's aged (laughs) (laughs) she asks the attendant to fill her up while she goes inside and uses the bathroom as she's in there he notices something and so when she comes back out he's like okay so we can only accept credit inside and so he takes her in and as soon as they get inside he locks the door and she's confused like what are you doing and i don't blame her some weird attendant brought you into this gas station area that would and freak just me out. suddenly locked the door
1: for sure
0: and he's t- he's trying to tell you to calm down she's trying to tell her to calm down and she obviously it's not going to calm down and he leans her in close and he says look I brought you in here because I needed to get you away from that car someone is in the back seat
1: Ooh, that is a cliffhanger ending what if but what if that was just like her kid or something in the back seat
0: I think the story typically goes that she's a college student like oh. like 20 years old doesn't have a kid yet. Okay. Not okay. even in a relationship.
1: Okay. So it's just some random guy sitting in her back
0: seat. Exactly.
1: You know, I think it's interesting that a lot of the main characters of these stories are women, and I think That's that That's what I've noticed too. Right, a lot of like a lot of these are cautionary tales specifically for women, like be careful when you're home alone. Be careful when you're in a car. Be careful when you're with your boyfriend.
0: Be careful when you're at someone else's home watching their kids.
1: Right. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of safe spaces for women in urban legends. Or in
0: real life. Or in like, real life. Like, it's really sad that a lot of these stories have women as the main character. Like, I understand. But, man
1: these are a more interesting way to pass down survival tactics. Right. You know, like being able to be safe when you're traveling alone is something that a lot of women and girls need to learn. Otherwise, they could get in a lot of trouble.
0: As a man, I just have a privilege that I will never be able to understand that fear.
1: Right. Well, you know, talking about it is definitely valuable. So it's good that we're doing this.
0: Absolutely. Which... I really appreciate that you picked up on the entire thing that I thought of when I was writing this. So the next story I have titled Kidney Misadventures. Kidney Misadventures? Kidney Misadventures. And this is one of the realist stories. Like, well, not realist in the sense of I've heard many accounts of this happening, like this specific scenario. And this one is more universal, the story by itself. But this is mostly something that women will face when they go to bars.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I'm pretty sure that clues you in a little bit on what this one is.
1: A little bit, a little bit.
0: So, very brief rundown. We have a woman or a man going to a bar on a blind date. And as they get there, the person that they're there to see is already there. they offer them a drink. So they talk, they have a good time, and the person starts to feel so woozy. And then they black out.
1: It's a bad sign.
0: Very bad sign next thing they know they wake up and they're in a bathtub full of ice and their blind date has informed them that they have about 30 minutes before they bleed out because they stole their kidney to sell it on the black market
1: you know that's a rough way to end up i've had i've had better dates i've had better dates it
0: could it could definitely it could definitely be better I would rate this a one on Yelp.
1: <laughs> so, wait, you you said you've heard accounts of this happening to real I've people? I've
0: heard accounts of not exactly this scenario of waking up in a bathtub full of ice, but I've heard accounts of people going to bars and, like, someone roofies their drink, mm. which I'm absolutely sure is what happened in this story, is that the blind date roofied their drink. Right. So that they could get them into their, wherever they are, and... steal their kidney (laughs) steal their kidney i mean i'm not gonna argue the ethical quandary here maybe they just need a little bit of money so it's like you know what that kidney kidney must be good yeah
1: you know take one life save another life that's that's debatable but Mm -hmm. for this story i think it definitely is talking a lot about you know drink safety i i would never take a drink from a blind date that i've never met before Mm -hmm. that's way dangerous Mm -hmm. no i would never think about doing that
0: absolutely it's also something like what i've heard more often especially with like trainings whenever joining a job joining a campus joining any sort of community at all is this idea of um like if you go to a party this is typically where these kind of stories originate Is that somebody could be like, they could just be drinking a lot and they completely go into blackout drunk and somebody will take advantage of them.
1: Right. So not only is it being safe with your drinks, but also being safe drinking.
0: Right. It's all about knowing how to maintain your sobriety, know how much you can take before it gets, you know out there.
1: <laughs> Kids, if you're listening, please wait until you're 21 years of age to drink any sort of alcohol.
0: Please do not drink alcohol until you're 21. I know it's tempting because it's that forbidden kind of thing, but you need to avoid it until your age.
1: Yes, for sure. I mean, I've heard stories from friends that I know that have, have had too much to drink and have you know, done something crazy, even if it wasn't dangerous. They People always do something they regret when they're really drunk. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it causes more harm than good sometimes.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, like, for example, when my brother met up with his friend uh, for his birthday, my friend was like, you know what, I'm going to decide to make cocktails. And so he made cocktails for the first time and he should never be allowed to make cocktails ever oh, no. again. And that's more or less just like, the normal side of things is that you have to, Like, the best case scenario is that you just have a terrible cocktail. Like, best case scenario.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, an unknown substance in front of you. Best case is that you just don't like it. Worst case is one of these kind of situations. So,
1: practice safe sex and safe drinking. Make sure you drink around people you're comfortable with right. that you trust. Don't take drinks from strangers and don't have too much.
0: And if you are of age, which I'm sure some people listening definitely are. If you are of age to be drinking, then make sure you never leave your drink alone. Especially if you're like at a crowded bar or at a party. You always want to make sure that you have that drink on hand.
1: Take it to the bathroom if you need to. I'm sure there's a counter where you can put it down.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, honestly... I would not judge you. I don't think many people would judge you for taking your drink with you to the bathroom at the bar just to make sure that it's still safe for consumption.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, and I'd read about this article a few years back. Somebody was um, developing a type of nail polish that somebody could like stick oh. like stick their finger in to like the drink I heard and if about it changes a color that means it's been roofied.
1: Yeah, yeah. People are coming up with some really creative ra- ways to be safe around right. drinking. I think that's awesome, but it's a little sad that it's necessary in the first
0: place. Absolutely. And like this is definitely something that I've heard on like this is not just uh women experiences, like also men experience it too. Oh yeah. And it's it's scary. It's a scary world out there.
1: Mm-hmm. It it definitely is, and that's why we have urban legends exactly. to make sure that we are told about all the things that could hurt us and that we can be safe.
0: Exactly. And so, to go over all of our stories so far, so we've got a story of making sure that you're competent when babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> to be like a very spark notes ask of that story. Or it could also be a story about, like, anxiety when it comes to uh, experiencing a crisis. And if you know you'll be able to perform well in that situation.
1: I like that one a little better.
0: (laughs) Maybe a little better. (laughs) Maybe a better (laughs) synopsis. (laughs) And you have a story of abstinence or safe sex. Like, I don't care if you practice sex. Just make sure you're doing it safe so you're not doing something that could end up, like, hurting you or your partner like that's number one most important thing wrap it up <laughs> exactly exactly. and the next thing is always 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 check the back seat of your car before getting in <laughs> because somebody could be waiting there you never know
1: don't travel alone let you people never know where you're alone. going and when you'll be there
0: exactly or even if even if you're just going like down the road to like the nearby gas station or you're going over to your friend's house. Always let whoever you just left know that you got there safely. Like, That's one of the biggest things that my mom always asks me Mine to do. Mine too. Like every single time I go driving back to campus, she's like, text me when you get there. And sometimes I'll just completely forget. I
1: always forget. I, I feel so forget. bad because she gets so worried. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening.
0: <laughs> and so I'll be sitting there playing God knows what, in my dorm room. And then I'll get a text message from mom saying, did you ever make it back? And i would be like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I forgot. And so I'll pick up the phone, rapidly text back saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so, so sorry. Yes, I made it back safely. I'm so sorry to make you worry. Oh my God. You know, someday
1: you're going to get into a car crash and she's not going to know because you don't text her.
0: Yeah. Except I'm not going to get into a car crash. I'm a good, I'm a good driver.
1: Oh, well, okay. Then Never mind. That's, <laughs>
0: it won't happen. Yeah. No, I, I try, I try my best to have <laughs> good driving. <laughs> I have defensive driving. <laughs>
1: Ooh, that, that's another, another part of this urban legend folks. Defensive driving is important. Even when you're just going to gas stations.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Although in this situation, defensive driving is more so make sure you know like some some, some sort of self-defense while driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I had mentioned earlier, like so many cultures have urban legends. These are just a slew of ones that are continually passed around in American circles. Like, for example, Japan. Japan has so many urban legends. Like they I was, get
1: wild.
0: They really do. Like I'm not gonna say they're having a party over there. They're really not. <laughs> but if it's a I was, concerning. At, if I was at a Japanese slumber party, do they have those?
1: Um, probably, probably. <laughs> yeah.
0: If they have those, I'm pretty sure they do. And some somebody decides to whip out the old flashlight and tell a story. I'm pretty sure I'd be scared oh, of my wits. I would be
1: down. That would be super fun. Like,
0: uh, I'm trying to remember exactly the name. I can't remember exactly the name. That's going to bug me. Um, it's like a woman version of Slender Man, pretty much. Like, a woman who's eight feet tall.
1: Oh, I haven't heard this. That is freaky.
0: Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, her name is uh, Sama. Okay. It's so interesting. That like, all interesting. of these... All these different stories, like Teke Teke, all these are really cool. Uh, So I definitely uh, recommend looking into some of these stories. Like, I've listened to so many different things about urban legends from around the world that they're so creative. And a lot of them end up being very similar kind of narratives that you would find in America, too.
1: Just with different characters and situations.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And obviously different uh, cultural surroundings. Mm And it's always cool to get that insight, because you wouldn't normally get that oh, otherwise. Yeah.
1: So everybody has the same things to worry about, but just little details are shifted around.
0: Right, right. All right, and so we get to the end of the session. How'd you enjoy yourself, Meredith?
1: Oh, I enjoyed myself greatly. Just reminiscing about some of the old horror stories from my childhood. It was a, it was a fun time. <laughs>
0: Man, I will never forget, like, the only time that I ever went camping as a Boy Scout. The only time, because I got a crick in my neck and I never wanted to get back. <laughs> so we would sit around the campfire and me, I was like, all right, you little kitties, here's a story. That I'm pretty sure you haven't heard. And I tell the story and they'd be like, "Ooh, that was scary. And somebody else was like, all right, I'm going to tell Bloody Mary and I'd be like, no, I remember that from when I heard it in third grade. I don't want to hear it
1: again. I'm the expert at scary stories. Step in line.
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this one. I'm just gonna go <laughs> sit over there. Call me back when you're done. Because, <laughs> like, I want to still be able to go into the bathroom tonight. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, please don't do this to me. <laughs> 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 All right, so... In short, urban legends are very important in society because there's so many different hidden meanings to them. And I always wonder, why do you, why do these kids know these stories? Like, do they happen upon a book at, like, the library? And, like, this is so cool. I'm going to share it. How do they find these things? Like, yeah. how do kids always seem to know these? Do their parents tell them? I don't know. Because I mean... if so, like, I'm not sure that's a good <laughs> Yeah, my
1: parents never told me any of those stories, but I still know them.
0: Right. Like, how do we know these?
1: I, I have no idea. Someone must have said something.
0: Someone must have. I don't know. There's always that one kid that seems to know every single one of them. And then after a while, you know every single one of them. And you just spread them around. Exactly. It's kind of like a chain letter.
1: Oh, yeah. That's another good urban thing.
0: Oh, my God. Chain letters. I remember my first cell phone. I got a chain letter once and I was not having it I was not <laughs> about to be cursed by some 13 year old girl who died tragically in a fire and has one eye is going to like come strangle me in my room at three in the morning if I don't pass this on to ten people. Oh,
1: see, I, I if I ever got one of those, I never did. But if if I ever did, I would have I would have been cursed because I didn't know ten people to send it to. I didn't <laughs> have that many friends in middle school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. oh I'm sorry to hear that.
1: You know what? It's okay. I, we've been making up for it now.
0: <laughs> oh, I would honestly, I would send one of them to whoever sent me it. Oh, just send it back and forth. Just send it back. And it's and just forth. like, you sent this to me. I'm going to send it back to you. You're not exempt. <laughs> that would be, be one of the nine. And I'd send it on because I I didn't want to have to worry about that. I was, ugh. <laughs> I was like 11 at the time that I got that phone. I was very impressionable. I was not about to just skip it, say... No, logically speaking, this is actually impossible. No eleven year old's gonna say that.
1: Why why were those sent around in the first place though? You gotta wonder. What was the point? Scare people. But you didn't even get to see them react.
0: I don't know. That's a good question. And as a sociologist, that'd be something good to base a paper around.
1: Ooh, I should talk to my advisor. You should.
0: (laughs) Here you go, getting ideas.
1: (laughs) That's the reason I'm here, actually, is just to soak up all the smart ideas from you.
0: Oh, oh no, Mm -hmm. I'm being soaked up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to thank you for your time, Meredith.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: This was a very cool experience. Uh, Thank you for all who are listening and make sure to check out Viking Fusion for all their other awesome podcasts. Thank you for listening.